Yes, everyone's ready. Welcome to our uh, the illiterate literature podcast, where we, we get a bunch of people who can't <laughs> read, we and we have them read good books, <laughs> and am, or listen to good books, and or listen to good books because some of us actually can't fucking read. <laughs> I'm your host, Will, and I am joined here with five of my best friends and one of my not friends. Which one's which? We'll never know. Is this a Russian roulette? Yeah. <laughs> it changes weekly. <laughs> All right, Eldon, start us off. Uh, I'm Eldon. I should be drinking something stronger, but currently I'm drinking coffee. Nice. Brendan, go. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brendan. This is what my voice sounds like. It's gorgeous, isn't it? And I'm oh, drinking Longbow Apple Ciders, not a sponsor. And I'm going to transition to beer. Citation needed. <laughs> Strongo, please, please sponsor us, please. Pass the torch. And I'm Shannon, and I'm drinking a nude. What is that? You're nude? I mean, what? <laughs> uh, only in my spirit. It's vodka lemonade. <laughs> it's like it's like San Pellegrino, but alcohol. It's exactly. very similar flavor. Cool. Not my favorite thing. I hate them. Excellent. <laughs> I'd give it a go. All right. Jared to you. I'm Jared. I'm drinking water because it's cool to stay hydrated, kids. <laughs> a resident hydro homie. Carl Mark says stay hydrated. And now time for the other friend. <laughs> the other one. That's me. I'm Maddie, and I'm drinking a Miller Lite. Nice. All right. Out. By the way, I'm drinking a rum and coke, which means I'm classy. Does it? So rye. Did you shake it? Not while it's in my cup. Anyway. The book that we're reading right now is uh, Frank Herbert's Dune, the classic of sci-fi that none of us in our basic lives have ever bothered to read. Thus far, we have gotten about 100 pages in, and we're here to talk about that. So I'm going to go through a quick plot summary here of, in my opinion, what happened. Starts off, we got a dude, Paul Atreides. He's 15, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, feel free to step in. Okay, first name, very cool. He's 15. Yeah. Uh, And he's hanging out with his mom and then his reverend mom, who are two different people. That that part wasn't clear to me until a little bit later. Okay, so I think there, the reverend mother is like a title. I don't think it's... Yes. Okay. That, yes. I, that, I, that, that made sense later. In context at the time, it did not make any sense. Uh, um, part of the book was very stumbling in what was explaining to us. Yeah, kind of yeah. hard to navigate. And then the Reverend Mother, who's like a religious figure, but also like a super spy, whips out her green cube and is like, hey, Morty, check out my green cube. And <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna fucking suck. Yeah, and then Paul sticks his hand at the green cube and it fucking sucks. But it apparently it proves that he's human because that's a concern that we had. Spoilers. She basically asked a, a young boy to put his hand in her box. And it would be pain like he'd never known. That sounds illegal. <laughs> what a great now, What's the year again? It's like 10,000 something, right? Did it ever establish a year? I can't remember. I haven't seen a year. No, it doesn't seem to be a year or anything like that. But, but it, it did, is assumed it to be in like the far, far future. Yep. Or maybe the distant past. Who knows? Yep. 
Well, either way, there are humans and there are non-humans. It did dabble with like the idea of like animatronics and like what is human and what isn't. Hence the the, yeah, the box yeah. test, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there seems to be technology. I'd like to discuss that later, but like there's yeah, technology in this book that seems strange because it almost seems like old-fashioned while modern at the same time. Yeah. Anyway, continue with the summary, Will. Yeah, I'm think I'm thinking we're a long time, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. TM. Um, <laughs> The, the point, the other point that comes across after Paul's hanging out with his two moms is the Reverend Mother is like, are they discussing about maybe if he's the Kwisat Tadarak, which is apparently basically the chosen one. And of course, because this is a book and he's the main character, he's going to be. But like, Kwisat Tadarak. Wait, how is it will never say that right. How's it said in the audiobook? Kwisat Tadarak. With like a, with like a ah, sound on the end. Really the guy who reads the audiobook is British and he sounds like terrifying sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for context, the only one reading the paper book here is Maddie. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. I mean the cover art was cool, so I mean Maddie has the advantage of knowing how the names are spelled, but we have the advantage of knowing how the names are said. Yes, yes. very true. Which means we embarrass ourselves a whole lot less on the podcast. With our powers combined, <laughs> we have a basic understanding what the fuck's going on. <laughs> and then afterwards, there's a jump cut to uh, Lord Vladimir Harkonnen in his... It's. I, I feel like it was like a spaceship, and he's like sitting in these like floaty chairs with his nephew. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. The, the Baron. I wrote down his. Does his nephew's what name was Faramir? Name? I know that's not right, but like it's, fuck you, Faramir. Um, it's Phaedralfa. <laughs> yeah, close uh, enough. Phaedralfa. Then something I don't know. Yeah, and then he's also hanging out with his Mentat, which I'm still unclear as to what exactly that is. Mentat, smart seems, guys. Mentat seems to be like it, like An it advisor. seems to be like almost court wizardish. Yeah. yeah. You know, Way. But like not always assassin. But it's also sounds, oh, that's the assassin. It oh, also sorry. sounds in that chapter that the men type that he's specifically speaking with, or maybe the, they are all robots. Yeah, that was kind of no. I got human. the impression that they were like they had some sort of telekinetic or telepathic. I thought they called them human computers because they yeah, they like, kept saying vomit. like they, oh, there were a lot of terms like, like you must follow your like train like not training I guess um, yeah, like yeah your purpose which to me sounds very robotic but I don't know and there's no... I, I don't think they are because because okay. reasons that'll come up later we'll we'll talk about the. That a little though, bit later in a sec. Real quick. Um, yeah, go ahead. Is that they mentioned that uh, Paul, in like a couple, I'd say maybe like 50, 60 pages in, they've mentioned that Paul has the potential to be a Mentat. Yeah, so I think that because he's human, that means Mentats are human. Yeah. yeah. Or a humanoid living sentient being. Yeah. No, but maybe he passed like, the human test with the green cube, oh, right? Oh, that's true. Yeah, maybe but the like other guy is a Mentat too, and he's not human, isn't he? No, I thought he was. He just has blue eyes. The blue and blue eyes. There's a, there's there's a different there's race. Like two different other. There's two other mentats, aren't there? Yeah. So those the, the, the one the one hanging out with Lord Harkonnen is Peter or Piter. Piter, and he's like apparently a really good mentat, and he's like trying to like outsmart the Atreides house mentat, uh, whose name was sort of an H. Oh God. Uh, I didn't write it down. No, uh, it was a Y, I think. Isn't it Dr. Yui? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. no he's, he's the doctor. He, so he's someone else. Yeah, 
I okay. thought that was... It doesn't, doesn't matter. Let's no, discuss they... it later. No, we no. need to continue with the summary. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, okay. Okay. Um, and, yeah, somebody can also look that up while I'm talking. Uh, so yeah, Lord Harkonnen's talking about how they've set up all these plans for the Atreides, kind of developing that the Atreides and the Harkonnen clans or houses are at war in battle, rivals of some sort, presumably going for power as all big houses would be. And the Harkonnen family is basically being kicked out of the planet Arrakis while the Atreides family is moving in. But Lord Harkonnen is basically saying this is fine because it's a trap and we're going to use it to kill the Atreides family. Uh, his mentat Piter is talking about all these plans and how they figured out all these ways to kill the Atreides line, specifically trying to kill Paul. And I think the, the, the implication there, as far as I understood, was Leto Atreides, who's the like current duke, is basically useless and isn't a problem. The actual concern is getting rid of Paul Atreides. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, another thing too, seems to be the Kind of going back to the Mentat discussion is I remember them saying how they somehow were able to kind of make like a turn cloak of Dr. Yu. So I think he is the Mentat for Atreides, unless I'm wrong. No, but he had the Imperial training, like the diamond on his forehead. He is at the very least the, one of the teachers for Paul. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's just a mentor type dude. Okay, but he is the one that they kind of convinced to turn cloak, right? Yes. Yeah. Despite he's having this Imperial training that is apparently like... Oh, Thufir Hawat is the uh, yes. mentat for the trading okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I just looked that up. I, yeah, I knew it was with an H. Um, yeah, he and he's apparently getting very old. He's like kind of in charge of their like soldiers and men. So he's, he's he feels like more of a general. While Piter of the Harkonnens is more of like a spy master, like intrigue guy. It's hard. It's hard to say at this point. I'm not super clear. Um, as well, there's, there's a, a lot of people of- introduced at once. Yes. Yeah. There's oh also a fuckload of references to the Bene Gesserit. So I'd like to talk about that for a second. Yes, I would my love to understanding... talk about the misogynistic undertones of this 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> so from my understanding, the Bene Gesserit is a group of women, mostly, all, entirely, somewhat women-based. No, he's not a Bene Gesserit, he's a Mentat. Oh, that's right, you're right. But the Bene Gesserit seems to be women who are trained in both, like, noble ways, like, courthood and, like, spy intrigue stuff on their side, but also kind of prostitutes to be, like, sold out as wives. Also, I think they're like courtesans. Want a wife who's also an assassin? But they're also, they're also, like, highly, um, like, not knowledgeable in, like, truth seeking i would say it was yeah <laughs> or like reading people and their emotions like yeah. i feel like they're yeah, they're yeah, also like talked about as of- like ancient missionaries because like when uh later on when jessica was talking bible yeah (laughs) yeah and then when when lady jessica was talking to the shadow riots 20 years ago yeah she was talking about like how they both spoke the old like the old language because that was the language the benny jesser missionaries brought to arrakis Mm -hmm. but anyway so is anyone certain on what the Bene Gesserit actually is? 
Well, I, I remember like mentioning something earlier on that was like the Benny Gesserit are like political or something. Like this was in a conversation between Paul and the uh, Reverend Mother. But I don't remember exactly what they said, and it didn't make sense at the time. So my brain was like, man, it's just not care. So they just they just seem to be a very powerful organization yeah. who seem to be at, who seem to have a lot of control over marriages and kids and the truth in yeah. general. Court politics, I think, yeah. also kind of hold again like a spiritual or like religious significance. Yeah, they give me very much the impression of like separate institution that kind of keeps a check on power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So plot-wise, after the scene with Lord Harkonnen, we cut back to Paul Atreides, and he's talking to the Reverend Mother and Jessica now after having passed the cube test. And he starts talk, they start asking about him about his dreams, and he's talking about, yeah, I remember all my dreams. And I'm like, ah, that's a little weird. Uh, and then they're like, what, what, what did you dream about last night? And he's like, well, there was this pale chick with blue eyes and blonde hair, and I really liked that. And we're like, okay, Hitler. Um, oh. <laughs> it seemed so it to be like a premonition about. It seemed to be a premonition about uh, the, the desert planet. What the fuck is it called? Yeah, it, was, it was a premonition about a chick he was going to meet Rockets. on the desert planet. Yeah, presumably bang. I don't know. Where chapter. are you getting that from? I don't know about he's that. Just adding but, uh, he's adding that. There's no the premonition about them on the sand planet. Will's just like agitating the situation. He's like, and, and it's like Hitler, and he's going to bang. He's going to do. That's what all that Will's going to do. Tell him, tell her a poem or something. Yeah, or... a poem about seagulls and stuff. He's like, Straight up. How do I describe water? But no, Get ready that, for some hot poetry. Moist. That oh, entire yeah. that entire chapter is that, well, all the dreams are based. It seems like foreshadowing for later on in the book. So yeah, possibly absolutely. we'll see those events actually transpire, and then you'll have that like mind blow moment. Like, oh my god, this happened earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it uh, has been said that um, like he's had dreams before and they've all come true mm-hmm. yeah i'll say too so far the book does a really good job of giving you information only as it becomes necessary like understanding the motivations of dr you now versus yeah. when he was first kind of introduced and understanding where he may be going to it, it does a very good job of leading you through the novel that way and then also so as part of that discussion with the reverend mother uh she also basically is like hey paul we think you might be the kusats Haderach. do you want to like try doing some stuff to find out by the way most people that try that die and he's With a like drug. yeah he's like try the drug that proves if you're the kusats Haderach or not and he's like by the way if you try and you're wrong you die well, and he's like no <laughs> I, I thought the, dr- pur- the drug, the drug's purpose was to like, well, if if if, if you are the Kwisatz Haderach, it would like open your third eye and like enhance yeah, your vision sight. Because he's a would, man, it's like not supposed to work. Otherwise, you would die. Yeah, yeah. No, but the Kwisatz Haderach can only be a guy. The Kwisatz Haderach is only a guy, and it's like the only guy who can handle the drug. I think, as far yeah. as it works. It's like it's it's part of seems like a lot big, of the superpowers are like female locked. Yeah, it's like part of this yeah. big overarching prophecy regarding the like. Uh, Kwisatz Haderach. Also, I want to know what the fuck a Maudib is. 
Is that another name for the Kwisatz Haderach or what? Oh, Mao Deep is a person. That's all I can tell. Okay. I I have a feeling that's going to be an alternate name for Paul. I think it's a, I think it's an alternate name for Paul gives because me that type of vibe. In I, th- I think it was the f- second letters from Princess Orlan to Maudib. They talk about how Maudib had a bunch of tutors in his life, and Leto Atreides is specifically called out as one of them. Yeah. Additionally, so, too, I think it's one of the first one of those like entries where it's like, oh, like in order to understand Maudib, you need to know his life, and it's assumed yeah. that like this book is covering that. Yeah. So I, I, my thoughts are that Maudib is Paul Atreides. And the person writing it is someone writing it at the end of Paul Atreides Live trying to explain it. Yeah. And actually, on that note, too, uh, I think that the girl in this dream may eventually be Princess Irulan, but I'm not sure. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. If I had to guess, like, given the information we've got so far. It seems kind of self-serving for the person who's like presumably quote unquote writing the book to be both inserting her own letters and also writing about Paul talking about her, if that's the case. Yeah. I should give you any book about Roman historians. Fair enough. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) You now wrote to each other and considered that historical material. That's fair. And then, so the plot continues on, and we kind of go through almost like a day in the life of Paul, where he goes through his, like, fighting fighting training with Gurney, uh, who is Patrick Stewart. And then (laughs) he talks about how he's, like, it'll be, like, his last kind of, quote-unquote, safe training, because the rest of his life is going to be dangerous now that he's going to be going to Arrakis tomorrow. He's like, all right. Kitty gloves are fucking off. Get ready. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't know, I want to be able to like cuddle you, but... to me, and Paul yeah. was overreacting. Yeah, it, it's, it's like I wasn't in the mood for fighting, and everyone else yeah. is like, "You don't have a choice." Yeah. Well, then he, then he was like, "Fight like your life depends on it, because one day it will." And he's like, he pulled off his entire fucking uh, like strong. He strong armed him on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even going back to what you said there, Jared, like regarding Paul overreacting, I think that was a really important piece to kind of understanding where he's coming from in all this like yeah he cannot trust the people he considers closest to him even before he goes to Arrakis I absolutely agree well it also kind of shows that like Paul's kind of maybe more uh, like he's beyond some of the stuff that he's being trained for almost yeah the whole thing he's kind of just like oh, I'm not in the mood whatever and then Gurney spends a lot of time describing like oh he's obviously been like learning stuff by himself and um, yeah. like studying on his own I didn't teach yeah. him these things yeah. he seems to be going above and beyond without even trying somehow so yeah. that, so that's... he's, <laughs> he, ahead, he's very obviously like much smarter and much more with it than most people would be at his age so that that's one of the questions I have as well is do Paul's other teachers know that he's being trained as a mentat or are they just training him thinking they're just training a noble's son to being like heir to the duke and the mentat no. training is something that only like his parents know about I think I think it's only Jessica who really knows yeah well, and, and Lito of course but. well yeah 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 <laughs> Anyway, so that's a good then point. After, it hasn't really tilted here or there to kind yeah, of it, I, show us where that's going yet. Yeah. My thoughts are at least so the next conversation that happens in the book is Paul finishes his like fighting training and he goes to talk with Dr. Yui, who is presumably the court doctor. He's got imperial conditioning, which 
I guess if we're talking about the, the empire for a bit, it sounds like there's an emperor who basically rules over all the houses, controls the whole galaxy. Emperor. Yeah. He also and, owns this, like, the majority of this large corporation. Yeah, and the whole really idea is basically up. there's these soldiers that fight for him that are super strong and it's basically like i think it's kind of just presented like the emperor is untouchable he is never someone to be trifled with he's basically yeah. a god whatever he says and just fucking goes since the doctor has been conditioned which i assume was basically like training like mental fortitude training kind of thing maybe maybe like impression imprintation of like memories and thoughts and like special secret spy signals so you can awaken him like winter soldier uh, yeah. <laughs> like a sleeper it, agent yeah brainwashing could definitely be what like, oh. that's, those are the kind of lines i was thinking that goes along yeah. i don't kind know anything like about it for sure mandatory conditioned behavior kind of yeah, and here, this. and then this scene is also where we learn that Doctor Yui is kind of a turncoat. Where, like, or why he's a turncoat? Like, we know he, we know he's kind of a spy for the Harkonnens, but in this scene, we see, like in his internal dialogue, he talks about how his wife, who was also Benny Gesserit, and he loved apparently very much, has been kidnapped and maybe killed by Lord Harkonnen, and Lord Harkonnen's basically using her as a mystery hostage yeah. where if Dr. Yui doesn't do everything they want to, they're going to just kill her or worse. Cool motive, bro. Still murder. Yeah. And then Dr. Yui is basically like, okay, well, I got to do these things. I feel bad about it. I'm a, you know, I'm a bad person. I feel bad. And he's like trying to like, he has no sympathy for me basically, <laughs> but he keeps talking about how he has like regrets about the things he's about to do. But I feel like regretting things you're about to do just means you shouldn't do them. But that's just me. <laughs> no, I would uh, agree with that. But yeah, he, and then he hands this the Bible, the orange Bible, to Paul and is like, this is my gift to you. I had it since I was a kid. It means everything to me. And then Paul's like, okay, I'm going to read a chapter. And he's like, okay, that's fine. And then Paul starts reading the chapter that was his, like, quote-unquote, dead wife's favorite chapter. And then Dr. Yui gets real sad. Yeah. Well, there are two bookmarks, and he asked him to read one of them. They just read the wrong one. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's Dr. Yui totally definitely like, out. Yeah. We could probably also assume that, like, Stop he reading probably give, gave this to his, quote-unquote, maybe dead wife before she was killed or taken or what have you, because she put that marking there is what we yeah. can understand from that. Mm. Yeah. I was really confused by like the intense description of how the pages are turned by this book. Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You can't touch the pages. You gotta use like telepathic signals and shit. Yeah, or I think like... we just like, I just imagine like a little stone that projects like a, maybe physical maybe partially physical kind of i'm not sure i'm not sure how to describe it paul's also like he's imprinting all the pages into his mind yeah so that's like, said later as well classic paul move classic paul <laughs> way to go paul the book feels like it's potentially a very important item for this story based on its description, but I don't know. Well, it'll definitely come into play later. Absolutely, it will. But... So, the the next sequence after that is basically Dr. Yui is like, I gotta go, your dad's coming, and he's big and scary, and I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah. So, then Paul basically sits down with his dad, who is Duke Leto Atreides, and a big shot, and 
his dad's basically like, yeah, so we're going to the desert planet tomorrow. You cool with that? And Paul's like, well, I didn't ever have a choice. And uh, Duke's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah. Fair point. All the adults in the room. Oh, yeah, right. Because <laughs> he didn't have a choice. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then is it, was it this discussion where he mentions that to Paul that he's training him as a Mentat secretly? No, I don't remember that conversation, but I think I think it was this conversation. Well, I think no, I think his mom was present for that conversation. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think she was. Either way, at this point, or at at this point, or somewhere later, the Duke basically tells Paul, like, "Hey, we think you might be a mentat. We're telling at some point during your training, we have to tell you that we're training you. It's like part of the law or something." And when we tell you, you then have the choices whether you want to continue it or not. Yeah. And then Paul's like, hell yeah, I do. Well, first Paul's like, well, that can't be me. It has to be, you can't tell me from the, oh. Yeah. oh. <laughs> you're just, you're just saying this since I'm a kid and you can't tell me when I'm a kid. Oh, wait. Yeah. yeah. Right. He's, just, he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've done this, which makes not, not a whole lot of sense for if you're being trained to be like this human computer genius. You'd think yeah. that they'd all be able to figure it out on their own at some point. Yeah, yeah. for being a pretty smart guy, he'd, he'd figure that out at the last possible moment. There's a galaxy brain meme somewhere in there, I swear to God. Oh, yeah, he's, like, doing the calculations in his head, but, boy, is he bad, bad at math. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, and then he's basically like, all right, all right, father, are we going to be getting on a ship? And the father's like, yes. Is it going father. to be a big ship, father? I want to look father. out and see things. And he's like, no, not allowed, no, no. seeing things. <laughs> you stay inside. And then, and then we just jump cut to the planet Arrakis. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Jessica, yeah. basically. Yeah, hard yeah, cut to- Yeah, I wish to... I knew a little more about like how travel worked. Like it is- like, Yeah, Spacer's Guild took them. But like, how long was the journey? Is it in a different solar system? I mean, this is probably going to be. I, I, I believe it's a different solar system because at one point, Jessica, or in this next scene, Jessica mentions that there's no planets in this system that could have grown trees that oh, large. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the planet they're from would have had It's also said earlier that um, Dr. Yui's giving Paul multiple lessons to work on while he's on the trip there. So it yeah. seems pretty obvious that he's. They like, there's at least a significant amount of time for him to be doing multiple lessons. Yeah. Yes. On the order of days, yeah, like weeks, months. I, I so, like, assumedly, it's an interstellar travel. Yes. Like, all the, all the indicators point to it, but we, there was no indication of what actually happens. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, what we do have to take into account is that this book was written in 1960, which was, like, 15 years before the discovery of planets, like, extra extra stellar planets. So, like, their, their idea of how these things would exist is a little skewed. Back in the oh, yeah. That's fair. Also very impressive, though, that they're able to do that much with that little information. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they kind of figured it out before they actually figured it out. Way to go, Frank <laughs> Herbert. <laughs> Shout out to Frank Herbert. I wouldn't be sucking this guy's dick so much. He is a <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that's not that's not wrong. Um, yeah, so we're talking. The next scene is the Lady Jessica. She's standing around in the Room, new castle quarters, noble house mansion, and basically trying to decide among herself where where like these paintings go. One is of her like of the Duke's dad, and one is of the the bull that killed the Duke's dad. I guess it's not a painting, but it's like an actual like mounted head of a bull beast thing. You know, with the blood still. Yeah, with yeah, the blood yeah. still on it. <laughs> yeah. What's the? Oh God. The word escapes me. Uh, I guess in my mind, I'm imagining they just took the bull's head and like 
Star Wars did, where they cast it in the fucking... Arbonite? Yeah, 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 Carbonite. It, it seems to be more like... Um, not like taxidermy? Not, yeah, more taxidermy style. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then the late the lady Jessica is basically hanging out, and her the the housemaid like in charge the shadowed Mapes Maples Mapes 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 the shadowed Mapes who is like in charge of the Fremen, which is the subset of the Arakan native population that's chill with the Atreides house. Yeah. And then there's like three other subsets of Arakeen uh, people that we haven't yet met. But the Fremen have creepy blue eyes, but they're different than Mentats. And are they look like they're dying, but are actually strong. They like then, preserve water in their bodies in weird ways. Yeah. Because and then it's the a sh- desert planet. That's the other yeah. thing. We haven't mentioned that yet. In case the title did not uh, <laughs> it's a fucking desert it. planet. Is doom. Yeah, there's no shit on this planet. It is sand and that is it. Or as yep. as the beginning of the and book worms said, and drugs. Arrakis, the sand planet. Doom multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the other things to mention, yeah. Arrakis is where spice comes from, or Melange, which is apparently extremely valuable, Melange. like the main export. Melange. So the Atreides like house controlling it seems like it's it a, absolutely sounds like a drug. And I think it's a drug, right? I'm pretty Vladimir sure it's a drug, but that's I'm, I'm realizing now that's basically from knowledge of like Star Wars, like spice runners. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that, what, isn't that what the Duke Vladimir was berating Peter about? Oh yeah, he, he's like, you, you indulge yourself on too much melange. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it tastes like I, cinnamon. I feel like it, it, so it seems like, like a drug. Yeah. No, it tastes it's, like something different every time you taste it. But also cinnamon. Yeah. Also cinnamon. But also cinnamon. <laughs> also, is it implied? I might have read it wrong, but is it implied that it extends your life? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I missed that part. Really? <laughs> I, I don't know if I caught that either. But it yeah. implies. Okay. And, and also, so it, it seemed like melange. So the melange is what turns the Fremen's eyes blue. But the Mentats get their blue eyes elsewhere, or is it because Mentats also just do a lot of drugs? I don't know. That might be part of the Mentat training is taking like an exorbitant amount of melange. <laughs> They're just like, all right, kid, get ready for the right, high of your kid, life. Karate Kid step one, like you're going to be That's like in get- defense. Karate Kid step two, just get real fucking high. Yeah. That's how you get superpowers. You just like two. get Start this. real high. You could deep breath. <laughs> Yeah, so Lady Jessica is talking to the Shadow. The Shadow, it's basically like, we're chill with you as long as you tell me what this knife is. And she's like, this knife is a maker. And like, oh, you said the keyword. Now we're buddies. She's like, she had like the smallest seizure and was like, they had had a weird link because, and it only worked because Jessica was a Benny Jesserit and the native Fremen people had this chick who was like an old lady who was like, they're like, equivalent to like a mystic or something and also mm-hmm. spoke Benny Jesseret language or something. This, that part felt pretty man. awkward to me. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what happened there. <laughs> but Again, there are parts in this book that are hard to follow, but I'm sure if I went back and read it again, I'd understand yeah. it. Yeah, or if that, you read it, or if you like keep the information in your head and then read on, it might be yeah. a little bit more explained later on. It might make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But this dagger is like made from the tooth of a worm, like a sandworm, and yeah. it's like there's only one in the universe. Yeah, it's like, the almost Chris like a legend. Knife. Also, it the needs Chris like knife. flesh. 
The it's only a... thing I could use is a name. <laughs> <laughs> it needed like flesh to remain. Yeah, you needed to yeah. eat it blood. And it couldn't like leave a the planet. starter, but with knife. It sounds like a pretty <laughs> wicked knife. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. It's like a very really rare good. item. Yeah. 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 Well, it couldn't leave the, the planet, thing, otherwise it like sure disintegrates. If there's only like one of these knives, or if there's multiple, like is this a special like kind of this knife? Really? I thought they mentioned there's only like it was, it was like a legend that there's, there's, there really was only like one of these. I, th- I think it's a legendary knife. I don't know if it's the legendary knife. Okay, I'm unclear. I'm unclear. We'll <laughs> hopefully find that out later, or it won't be, or it won't matter. Um, so for yeah. context, to uh, you know, make Jared's name comment make sense, um, our group chat about this, we have all named ourselves. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Based on the book. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, yeah, so Elden. Elden is just I can't read. <laughs> I, why am I I can't read? Or rather, Elden is can I read? I'm the only no. one actually reading it. <laughs> anyway, back on topic. After the shout out gives Jessica the knife, they're basically friends now. And Jessica's like, okay, now put up these paintings because I don't want to deal with it anymore. Also, the Duke comes by at some point in the middle of that scene and is like, hey, don't put these paintings here, put them somewhere else. And Jessica's yeah. like, okay, fine. Hey, and then here's, here's also where we find we learn a little bit about how Lady Jessica wants to get married to the Duke, but the Duke won't do it. And mm-hmm. she's kind of sad about that, but kind of not. Well, I but think she knows be, like, what the implications reasons would be. for that. Yeah. yeah, the political reasons are being like, if the Duke's unmarried, he can like hypothetically get married for like a political alliance, and also yeah. if he marries, then he's like showing favoritism to essentially like a prostitute. It, I mean, you still kind of are if you like have this prostitute that you have a kid with, and you're like, that kid's my heir. Like, it still feels like it's not really that useful. Well, it seems like also that the Benny Gesserit can decide whether they want a girl or a boy. I think all women can. I think the (laughs) assumption from the author in this book is that women can just choose to have different (laughs) genders. How dare you bear me a son? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And it's really indicative of the fact that it was published in 1965. Yeah. You did this! Because the Bene Gesserit lady was like, what the fuck? Why'd you have a boy? You and knew the like, rules. We asked you one thing. Yeah. And she was my like, well, the Duke wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, from please. the context of that, I feel like they might be like an advanced. Yeah, they seem to help that kid. They seem to be able to. that sort of stuff. Yeah. I feel like a guy who wrote this in the 60s was not that far thinking. Well, maybe. But it seems like they can plan out their lineage and stuff like that. And they're like wanting a girl for whatever reason in the future. So maybe they have the ability to do that or not. I'm just curious as to whether that's like a Benny Gesserit thing or if they can just genetically engineer kids at that point. So the the one thing relevant to that was in the first section where it was like Paul talking to his mom and the Reverend Mother, they did mention something about the Lady Jessica's ancestry being known but only to like the higher ups in the Bene Gesserit because that information could be used for like optimal genetic selection. <clears throat> but the Lady Jessica doesn't know like what her house is or where she's from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, if I assume that would come into context where it's like, if she tried to marry someone and was like, I'm going to marry this dude, Benny Jester, like, looked it up and was like, no, that's your brother. They'd like stop her. Yeah. (laughs) You'd think. 
that 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 kind of seemed like the implication, but also it seems like they they brought up or they brought up the fact of like Lady Jessica's lineage not being known a couple times, which leads me to believe it's probably important. So it's probably somewhat important. So it's probably Palpatine. Yeah, it's Palpatine. Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. No, so, no, it's it's nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Lady Jessica Skywalker. <laughs> I get to pick my name now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then that's essentially that they start like kind of figuring out like, oh, they're going to like set up the house and it's going to be fine. It's not like the best house. They're kind of creeped out by it, but they'll eventually like be comfortable with it. It's, they also describe a couple times where it's the Atreides family is doing a lot more for the people of Arrakis than the Harkonnen family ever did like they're actually buying water creators and like water sources that people can get water out of the air and things that are like actually necessary for the population to live where it sounds like the Harkonnen family was just dicks they were just like mind your own water yeah so presumably they're trying to be more like benevolent of a leadership I don't know if that's gonna fully stay it doesn't quite sound like the Duke Leto is a very good guy so well it doesn't sound like he's a bad guy either I think at this point they're trying to keep it like ambiguous they're ready or sorry they're ready to kind of change depending on what needs to be done in order to keep themselves alive yeah yeah but all right correct me if I'm I'm skipping a scene but I believe the next scene is Paul sleeping in bed and the drone comes in yes is this drone a needle so there's a scene scene there in the middle with uh, Jessica and um, oh yeah Uh, doctor yeah where they're they're discussing like um, you know a variety of different topics but basically it's Dr. Yui being very regretful about what he's about to do and trying to hide it and being hiding it so well Ooh, I'm so good. And then Jessica walks out of the room and is basically like, Haha, bye, up with that dude. He's hiding yeah. something. Should yeah. I go ask? Nah, that's I'm gonna too be, obvious. Yeah. I'm going to be a good friend and not bother him about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was great because, like, at the beginning, uh, he said something like, Oh, Lady Jessica, like, most honorable. Like, he said something like, really like, nice and pretentious like honorific and she was like no call me jessica and he's like ha 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 now she's gonna think i'm embarrassed yeah you can just picture him like in his mind like wringing his hands together <laughs> like scummy well, i don't ass. think he really takes pride in what he's doing but he, he, i think he's probably glad that he considers himself he, like he, he considers himself a genius for figuring out a way to more or less save his wife but he's not going to in the end yeah his maybe dead wife yeah for sure dead wife (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so they talk for a bit about a variety of things honestly i don't think i recall most of it i didn't write down any notes for that scene Um, yeah, I mean, it was pretty straightforward. It's it 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 basically time. like you the, the Huey telling Jessica about his wife, which we already <laughs> kind of knew. And that's about it. And also, Jared, like, no. <laughs> oh, thank God. Uh, I'm going to betray them. I hope she doesn't realize. I hope she doesn't realize. Yeah. And she's like... <laughs> She walks out, and the narrator's like, she realized. Uh, and then, okay. Drink two. I'm on to beer. Nice. Uh, and then the next scene is Paul sleeping in bed, and because he's the chosen one, he notices this tiny, like, needle-shaped drone. I don't know how big it is. I was picturing, like, crayon size kind of thing, where apparently, like, buries itself in your chest and just, like, tears apart your nerves, and then you die. 
Yeah, like it's kind of nerves to your organs. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's like flying around and it detects movement like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So apparently from where he is, like the shout out comes to like knock on the door and is about to die. And from wherever he is, like lying in bed, he's able to like jump up to the door and catch it out of midair like fucking Karate Kid with chopsticks. And like smash it in the wall. Yeah, yeah he, like, he like grabs it, like tighten his hand, just like thwacks it. Like, I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> Like a little bit of Deus Ex Machina right there, but that, that's fine. He's the chosen one. He can do anything. Well, I mean, it's also, like, said that kids from a young age in like, these, like, dukedoms are kind of just told about this, and they're like, so my right, thoughts, kid, your life is going to be attempted on. Uh, here's yeah, but what you know. Maddie, not to reference another book, but Game of Thrones literally starts with Ned bringing Bran to watch him chop someone's head off. Yeah. So like, yeah. kids in Noble Family, they regarding Game of Thrones, spy. I'll bring up in a bit. Oh, the, the other thing with this um, scene is I think that this assassination attempt is the one that Lord Harkonnen was talking about in that second scene where he's like, there's going to be an assassination attempt. It's going to fail. That's what we want. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the attempt he's referring to, so I'm pretty sure this is Harkonnen doing, which leads me to believe it was Yui. It's, they say that they, like, after the assassination, they, like, stop it, and they, like, search the castle, and they find some creepy dude, like, hanging out in the yeah. cairns under the, ca- well, under the castle. Yeah. And they say it's remotely controlled, but only from a very short distance away. Yeah, yeah. so presumably that guy's a fucking fall guy. Yeah. yeah. That guy is now dead. Yeah, the fall guy is dead. Dr. Yui is still hanging out. Conveniently dead. Yeah. Yeah, they don't really say how he died. They say they, like, roughed him up a bit or something, and he just fucking yeah. died. Yeah, they're like, oops. And then the, while this is, like, simultaneous with this, like, Lady Jessica apparently finds this fucking, like, garden conservatory, like, crazy, room. wet <laughs> place in the, in the castle near her room or in her room. I'm unclear as to what the actual location or floor plan here, but yeah. like it's, it's like it's, this whole this whole room is basically a greenhouse for like plants and stuff that can't live on Arrakis, and it was created and owned by the wife of the previous owners of Arrakis, which were the uh, other family. It was like her name's Margot F. I forgot what the other family's name was, but they're gone now. Oh, the uh, the oh fuck, Faden? No, that's was that no. They're Fang something, isn't it? Whatever. Fang. Yeah. Either way, the wife is a Bene Gesserit. Yeah, the wife is also a Bene Gesserit, but they got married, which Jessica's a little salty about. Yeah, she's jelly. Uh, and then, so she's talking about like, oh, she's walking around. This is also beautiful. She finds the note, and the note's basically like, oh, please enjoy the garden. It's beautiful. I made it. It's all for you. Like, be safe. We're chill. We're friends. Also, your son's gonna get And then Jessica's like, this note is bullshit. Where's the the actual secret message? And starts, like, molesting the leaves until she finds Braille written on them. Which then tells her that there's gonna be attempt on your son's life, something to do with the backboard, which happened, and that there's gonna be a there's gonna be a traitor in your midst, um, someone high, like lieutenant or whatever, who's gonna kind of like go for um, the new duke, and she's like. Yeah, so and, and then while that's while while as soon as she like discovers that she's like I gotta go save Paul and then Paul like walks in being like Hey I'm good Hi mom <laughs> Hey hey mom Cut this drone tried to kill me killed it all good already did it thanks yeah. What's that note you got there Is that a leaf <laughs> 
<laughs> Leaf note? Haven't seen one of those in years. And then yeah, and, you're so and this, clearly like, trying to hide. And this like crazy like fantasy future sci-fi. They're like, yeah, if we dunk the drone underwater, it'll die. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, haven't quite figured out waterproofing yet. <laughs> yeah. Also, can we talk about the, the sheer up? Like, they, they mentioned it a little bit in the book, just how absurd this room is, and the fact that like all this water could be used to like help thousands and thousands of people on yeah. this planet. Yeah. And just yeah. the, the yeah. fact that it's collected in this one room it, is it like. It did kind of sound like Jessica recognized that. It did sound like Jessica recognized that and was like, like what the fuck? Saw it as kind of an injustice. Like but this is the most precious like, like, thing nice. on the earth. <laughs> yeah. She's like, this is an injustice, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mine now. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think the final uh, sequence here was while they're like hanging out in the dome in the conservatory, there is apparently a light or like star in the sky that starts blinking in code. And Jessica's like, hey, that's not where the sun is. This must be code. And it's coming from. Yeah, but also doesn't understand it. Yeah, it's like, it must be code. Fucked if I know what it says. And she's like, oh, but it must be coming from the shield wall, which seems like like a mountain that kind of surrounds the city and presumably protects it from like dust storms. And is saying that the idea behind it would basically be if there's a traitor in their midst that all the like normal forms of messaging would have already been tapped and they would have been discovered so they must be using like literal fucking morse code mirrors on mountains to be sending messages Mm -hmm. to the castle which means again proves that the traitor is like in the castle yeah yeah so I think that's it for the plot That's, that's pretty much where we're at all right, we're back. we're back for question time. Eldon, you're going to be starting us off. Okay, I do have a question. So um, I'm not sure if we skipped this with a little summary, but um, the Baron has set a trap, right? They set yes. a trap for the prince, yeah. Duke, and um, uh, it has something to do with the, the spice. And I'm not sure what he would gain by this. I'm not quite sure. He yeah. wants control over all the spice. That's, I think, what he's looking for. Does he not already have <laughs> it? No. Yeah, he already has so, profits so, from so Vla- previously. Vladimir, all Vladimir wants is to kill Paul. And then mm-hmm. he will have no contestants, like, hereditary-wise, like his family against the Atreides family. Mm-hmm. Paul's family, Duke Leto, wants a larger share in Shome, the kind of just, like, the money people. The so he can gain more influence and be more powerful. Okay. And I think so, yeah, the idea is the Harkon the Harkonnens are being like ordered off the planet by the Emperor, I believe. The, the Emperor. Yeah. Emperor. He's like, no, the Emperor these guys has reassigned Arrakis to be under a Treyadian control. Oh, another like detail too was that they were talking so about the Harkonnens how, back. Yeah. They're talking about how the um Sorry. Oh god, what's the name of Paul's family? What's Paul's family name? Atreides. Atreides. The Atreides. Uh, the Atreides are related by blood to the Emperor, whereas the Harkonnens. Harkonnens. The Harkonnens yes. are just like an upstart family. Yeah, they have like a large piece, from what I can tell, of the corporation. Yeah, they're wealthy, but not noble, is kind of the way I understand it. Yeah, yeah. Which is why the Emperor, like, kind of favors the Atreides family. Yeah. Um, and it's also applied to uh, that the Emperor... Yeah, we already brought this up, but the key kind of dictated that the... I can't remember names now. The, <laughs> There's so many uh, names. Uh, There's a lot of names. Yeah, the Henarkin. 
the Harkonnen? The Harkonnen, yes. Yeah. The Harkonnen uh, family. He's like, all right, you guys had it good for a while. I'll put my boy in. Yeah, okay. I also think the idea is that the Harkonnen family, knowing they were getting kicked off, stockpiled a bunch of spice. Mm-hmm. And that keeps its value until the Atreides family gets their own, like, spice exports going up and running on Arrakis. Yeah. So the Harkonnen family is trying to get, like, as much money as they can out of that as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the other thing, too, is I think once they're able to kind of overthrow them, then they also have control over the spice trade because they have this, like, stockpile of... Yeah, it's essentially a monopoly. Cause it's like, I, I, as far as I understood, Arrakis is the only source. Yep. I didn't think so. Yeah. Yeah, there's something. It's, the, it's the most special. valuable substance in the universe. Yeah, there's something special about Iraq and that makes it so that it can only be grown there. Yeah, and it can't be mass produced. Yes, or artificial or ones don't have the same. Yeah, they don't have the same like effect. Ohana means family. <laughs> Are we reading Stitch? <laughs> anyway. Am I reading the wrong book? Uh-huh. Uh, Maddie, to you. Yeah. Um. I don't have any like super outstanding questions aside from just bringing up a couple points, I guess, but just regarding how they brought up what I understand as AI and sentient AI and how that is something that existed, but then became kind of taboo. Was it? Uh, I feel like that was a Star Trek episode I watched. (laughs) (laughs) It's all sci-fi, baby. But, it does uh, sound familiar. This does take place in like the future because they do reference like, oh, they used to have like these machines that would be almost as good as like a Mentat, but like then the Mentat guys like ah, I could do that. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> yeah, because I think I think Piter said something to like the Lord Harkonnen where it's like, oh, the machines of old, like even you as a non-Mentat could have like out-processed them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, yeah. So but. <laughs> do you think that's what they're referring to? Like cyborgs when they're talking about like testing if Paul's fully human? No, I think beast. they said animals. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was a beast instinct to chew your leg off and like right. leave the box. Yeah. Right, yeah. Robots wouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I think actually the kind of AI, the pre-existing AI that they're talking about, I think it's meant to be kind of like, oh, make not... <laughs> me and or what is it I don't know something about like creating in the image of God but also creating man like man creating man something about that being like sacrilege yeah I think it does have some kind of like spiritual implications but I could be wrong um, yeah, I'm kind of wondering if like the Bene Gesserit are like like this um kind of a eugenics like <laughs> cult sort of thing I mean they very <laughs> they, like, could they see other races as like animals or something or oh maybe yeah that could be it actually that's okay. a very good point Shannon and then they like they, they're like this like higher level they're trying to like being eliminate stupidity or like instincts like base animal instincts in humans yeah. and like only like higher level individuals yeah. yeah, I mean, the concept of eugenics was popular during the 60s and the 50s, so... And the 40s. And, yeah, it was a lot stronger in the 40s and a lot more prominent in different shocking ways. Mm. Oh, I, I, that's a good point. I like that. 
Um, and also, sorry, going back to what Brennan was saying earlier about Game of Thrones, I'm not sure if this is related to what you were saying or not, Brennan, but I'm actually, having read the first couple of Game of Thrones book and books and reading this, I automatically feel like Dune is way more efficient, maybe not better, but definitely more efficient at world building as well as developing the political system and making it so that it's approachable and relatively easier for the reader to understand. For our peon um, minds to understand. I mean, my problem is, is I watched the show before reading the books. So like they say like Hand of the King and I'm like, I know what that is. Who cares? Like mm-hmm. not a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't I don't have an objective opinion on that. Like I'm not saying it's no. necessarily better or worse. I'm just saying it's a little more efficient where Game of Thrones has a does a really good job of uh, letting this slow burn of political tension build. Whereas Dune just kind of presents it in a way that's like again like i said relatively easy for the reader to pick up right away yeah i I could i could agree with that but yeah those are those are my main points oh shannon um i was like very confused there was like a meaning behind like why the shadow mapes had to put the bull head looking at the portrait in the like the Shield 
that from everything I can tell uh, is kind of like a force field, yet they're still using rapiers and other weaponry, and then they're using this very, like, in my mind, old-fashioned political system at the same time. Yeah. So, I don't know, I... I, I'm not sure if I have really a point to make other than the fact that I think it's very interesting. Yeah. I also wish just sorry, touching on that, I wish there was a little more emphasis put into how communication is done. Like, do they have internet? Are they calling each other through space? Are they sending letters? Like, I, I don't know. And so I feel like for, for me, it, that would be better at establishing what technology is really available to them. I guess the only thoughts I have on like communication are they, they talk about with the like flashing lights in the conservatory. They mentioned that they have wireless communication. Like, OK, yeah. felt like kind of like radio or something. And it, if the trader had been trying to communicate with that, it would have been tapped. So presumably it's not like particularly secure. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. But they also we should they, they also talk about in the prequel things for each chapter. There's also letters like Princess Irulan's letters. Yeah. And there still is written text, like the book, the Orange Bible. Like we talk about the Orange Bible, like the way it's being presented is old because it's still like printed on paper or like they call it like filament paper or something. Yeah, that's a weird name for it. But it's it's it, it, it's physically printed on pages. You just don't get to open them yourself, which I assume means like that is a thing that can exist. But for the most part, they're sending things digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, for, like for some reason, the book sounded they, they, they mentioned it as old, but it sound, somehow it sounded sounded like more futuristicy than what they what they actually use so old to them but yeah probably way ahead of us yeah very new to us it it almost feels like it's one of those like kind of like steampunk things where they take something that's easily solved and to make it vastly more complicated than it needs to be with a bunch of extra doohickeys yeah 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 a certain D&D character (laughs) anything else Brenda? I, I just I just find the whole topic of the technology and the like there, there has not been any direct discussion about um, really the grand majority of it, but they even mentioned climate, like climate control mechanisms and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, with the airlock. Yeah, like those things exist. Yeah, but even and like planet wide, right? Not and then planet, the planets of, can be terraformed. Yeah. Yes, and on the point of communication, Maddie, if Jerry's right. The, the book was written in the city. The internet didn't exist, so there would be no. Like, disguise, like they wouldn't even. I don't think someone could be like, ah, the interwebs. We yeah. will have this thing. Like, I don't think anyone could have just come up with that when yeah. they were like, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Jared? Uh, yeah, same. Well, there's a few things I've noticed with this book. <laughs> Clearly, I've noticed the misogynistic undertones. <laughs> now, they're so subtle, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not at all surprised of a book coming out of the 60s from a man who is probably in his 60s. <laughs> but there is the fact that however long there is this is in the future the people of arrakis they have no class consciousness they have no they have no way to unify themselves against these apparent hadashah invaders yeah fucking empires they're just like huh guess we're enslaved (laughs) we'll get there when we get there (laughs) i'd be incredibly hopeful if this turned out uh this book turned out more on a line of trying to tell us what people thought instead of just like political bullshit. Yeah. I have a feeling it's not gonna do that. 
I know. I, I, I do find the political angles they're talking about to be interesting, like the plotting Certainly. and then the like anti-plotting is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Political um, tension, interpolitical tension. And again, to bring up Game of Thrones, like it's part of the reason I like Game of Thrones, I like the like weird political stuff. Um, so that that when I read that, I was like, "Oh, this is this is fantastic! I'm so excited to learn more about this." And they barely touched on it. So, oh my God, do we have a rogue additional member? Oh God, is that Sarah? Oh, Hi, Sarah. This is Hi. Sarah has joined the podcast. We're doing a podcast Hi. right now. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I have lots to say about this book. Let me. <laughs> okay, go. Go for it. We were I just love, in our discussion I period. I love the setting, you know? What is the setting? The setting. <laughs> <laughs> Characters. Are you doing exactly what Shannon said earlier? <laughs> Just being like a rogue agent? <laughs> He's the I lady really Jessica. Like the tone and <laughs> I really like the way that the cinematic parallel. Is, I like the way the paper is made of wood. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, run a timeline. Jared, do you want to continue on? No, I'm good. Okay. Uh, so one of the main questions I had is it sounded like the emperor gave the Atreides family control over Arrakis. However, the emperor also seems to control this army, the Shatterkar, Shatterkar mm-hmm. troops. Yeah. Shatterkar troops. And those are apparently, the, the, the Harkins are like, oh yeah, we're going to send the Shatterkar troops to kill the Atreides family. Under the guise. Apparently they have control over them, which would lead me to believe the emperor is helping the Harkonnen family. Or yeah, I, there's a, which doesn't quite like make sense to me weak. at the same time as the emperor giving the Atreides family all this like clout. Well, but one of the discussions that you listen to between Paul and Duke Leto is uh, the Duke is explaining kind of the position they are entering, and kind but of they also seem to just know that there's going to be like Satterkar troops like trying to kill them wearing Harkonnen liveries. Like, yeah, like, like, oh yeah, that's a that's, thing that's going to happen. That's very like it's like you, you like you hear like the way I see it is you hear the Harkonnen plot early on. You're like ooh suspense, and then later you're like and then, and you're like oh they'll never see it coming, and then you read that part and you're like oh they do see it coming, but maybe not. Full to the extent that there's, going to there, there's a point where they're talking about like faints within faints within faints within faints and we have to yeah. unravel it all so but but in that in that bit like duke later was kind of talking about like so the people who basically he says like the people who are stockpiling spice um are likely our enemies and he said one of the some of the people that are stockpiling spice are like i guess the emperor so he's like the emperor is probably against us well, and then Paul's like, too. "Oh no!" But like, I, what, what I don't understand is if that's the case. Like, if the emperor has this much clout and power, and he wanted to like get rid of the Atreides family, 
could he not just send his troops to just go wipe out their house on Caladan and just do it then and there instead of doing this all this bullshit where he gives them control of a whole other fucking planet, kicks like his quote unquote allies, the Harkonnens, out for a while so that the Atreides can move in, then kills the Atreides and the Harkonnens can move back in. It feels inefficient to me and I'm, I'm sure there's other well, hidden motives to it. Another thing to it. consider too is that the Harkonnen family to this point was on Arrakis and was basically like leading the spice trade. Um, so in my mind, I've kind of justified it as saying like, you know what, they probably amassed enough money to be able to independently hire these troops without like from the emperor. Well, yeah, that was the whole thing Duke Leto was talking about, too, because he wanted to do that himself. Mm -hmm. Well, I think think the the Duke was saying that, like, the Sadakar troops are, like, raised on a hell planet and are, like, normal people otherwise that are just raised as troops and, like, powerful soldiers. And he's like, well, we're on a hell planet. What if we could do that? I think the idea is he was, like, going to use the Fremen and make his own, like, counter troops. I don't know if he's actually going to use the Sadakar themselves, because I don't think he thought they could be trusted. Yeah, I think he's making a political move to, like, basically gain more power. I think he was just being like, we have the opportunities here ahead of us. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it for questions. Do you want to go around again with thoughts for the future? Um... I am greatly intrigued by the foreshadowing with Paul. So I would like to see where that's going. My my crazy fan theory with Paul is somewhere somewhere no somewhere soon <laughs> the whole Atreides house is going to get toppled. Yeah, I oh, think yeah. the Duke oh, Leto is yeah. going to die. I think Lady Jessica may or may not die. Might be go might go missing. Might get like kidnapped. Paul's going to be just sent out on his own to like. House. Like it's gonna it's gonna be like the hero's journey classic like call to adventure. He's gonna be forced out of his house to like live on his own among the Fremen in the sand, like full out struggle, make his fight. He's gonna meet the princess Irulan out there, who's presumably I bet she's like a Fremen princess like of their own like political in, like internal hierarchy. And like, so he's gonna basically become this person. He's gonna marry her. Gonna be like both ruler of like the Atreides house, like known galactic wide, and also like married to the princess, who's like leader of the Arakin Fremen family, and yeah. just be this guy who's like riding both sides of the curve and able to be like the true king of Arrakis and stuff. Yeah, I think that's my idea with the whole where it's gonna go. Yeah, that would also Either create that, a strong Princess Irland's gonna kill him as soon as they like meet. <laughs> it's gonna be hilarious. <laughs> well, I think that would create a strong political alliance so that like if they were to become a thing, um, then the Emperor might be a little hesitant to replace the Harkonnens' power in that area. For fear I, well, that like, not only the Fremen, but whatever's left of the uh, um, What's Paul's family name again? Atreides. 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 Uh, Like the union between the Atreides family and the Freeman um, would create a substantial like threat against whoever else would try and I guess own the planet, colonize the planet. I don't know. I do have an alternate quick theory. I think that the Lady Jessica, her lineage might be something like real bad, like mm-hmm. Harkonnen or like direct descendant of the Emperor, like literal, like just 
wolf among the fucking sheep, like, and she's then at some as point, a witch. yeah, she's described as a witch, but I think like it might be like they're trying to keep her heritage because it'd be so problematic if it ever gets discovered, and it might get discovered, and it might come down to a part where like Paul has to kill his mom or something. Yeah, oh, well, even the Duke kind of Greek mentions plays. how she holds herself very regally. Yeah, like so much that she could be. And almost surpasses those in the emperor's, like, Yeah, yeah, they do mention that. All right. What's everyone else got for theories? Same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I don't know, just to me, Paul seems like a little bit of, like, a character that's being set up as, like, he's the big character of the prophecy but the book seems to be more about like jessica lady jessica and like when the like the the shadow mapes was like with her she like had a weird seizure because she was so close to prophecy or something um to something coming true so i feel like lady jessica is gonna be like i don't know like Ooh, true. Shout out, shout out, shout out. <laughs> I, I feel like Jessica's days are numbered. She's such an important character at this point, but um, I feel like that her love for um, I almost said Peter. Fuck me. Um, Paul will like will just be the end of her. Well, and it's also <laughs> it's important to mention that like uh, who is the mentat for the uh, Harkonnen family? Peter. Uh, Peter. Yeah. Was she not promised to Piter? Yeah. I think the the Harkonnens win. They're going to kidnap Lady Jessica and give her as like a slave to Piter. Yeah, pretty much. So don't let the terrorists win. <laughs> kind of what I want to get. We'll get him next time. <laughs> Mission <laughs> fails. We'll get him next time. <laughs> Jared, any theories? No, I I have no expectations for this book. <laughs> no expectations or low expectations? Both. Yeah. <laughs> would you say so far you haven't really enjoyed it? I I would say it's enjoyable. I it's also predictable in a way. Mm-hmm. Right, that brings us to our last segment. Rated out of ten. Start us off, Jared. <laughs> Six. Eldon? I'd say a solid eight. Shannon? Um, as the first book I've read in like three years, I would say a solid 10. <laughs> wow. Um, That's a tough one. I'm going to give it a tentative eight out of 10 so far. 10 out of eight. 10, 10 out, out of eight. eight. <laughs> a tentative 10 out of eight, eight out of 10. Oh, uh, okay. But <laughs> Sarah? 11. Brendan? I'm going to give it like a six. I think I'm coming down in the middle here with a seven. Thus far, a seven, though I'm intrigued, and if the plot turns out the way I imagine, six. I'm intrigued, intrigued, but I'm not like, like there's there's very few books that I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta read this. And this is not one of those books. That's true. I think my rating might be that good that I gotta read this thing. 
I enjoy my time reading it, but if I had sought this out on my own, I would have had like zero interest. That's fair. I, I, agree, with, I agree with that. <laughs> I, I feel like if it turns out exactly as I predict, and the, that means it's a book that can have the whole plot predicted based on the first hundred pages, which I feel like is an inherent flaw. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my I'm hoping to have my expectations subverted. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, my I think I'm the same. I don't too. read very often, so I'm also willing for my writing to be flexible, depending on, like, literally 100 pages to 100 pages, it could pull a full 180. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I I don't have much to say about this book, but having not read really. <laughs> Pardon. I was saying having not read it. No, I haven't read it. It's because I've been like, you know, you know, I, I still have to finish that paper. But I read this book earlier this summer. Well, this is not a it's video called- podcast, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Normal People. It is just really good. It's our, 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 right. our guest novelist, Sarah, who will be joining us full-time in the next episode. Sarah will be reviewing books that are not the book that we're <laughs> I, I think on that note, we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for listening, and check us out next week. Bye, next everyone. Week. Oh, my God. All right. Whoa, 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 Signing guys. We got ne- next week a being a flexible term that could refer to a week in the future. <laughs> next time. Next time. Next time. Yeah. Next time. All right. Signing yeah, off. Time. Signing off. <laughs>